0: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland, and this is going to sound like a very odd recording because I'm actually recording this in my hotel room at the Monte Carlo Casino and Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are at CES 2016. Today is January 5th. So we arrived in Las Vegas yesterday at uh, in the afternoon and then immediately checked into our hotels and headed down to CES unveiled. And this is an event that's a press event. CES itself is not just a press event. It's actually meant for manufacturers to get a chance to meet with retailers and other companies that are going to be moving their products. But the press is also there and has a very big presence. So we are here to cover it, just like lots of other people are. And uh, the first things that we wanted to check out were the stuff that was on display at CES Unveiled. Uh, this is just a small collection of companies that have a few things on display. It's not like the massive show floor where you have 2.2 million square feet Of show floor space. This is just a teeny tiny fraction, like the tip of the tip of an iceberg. But it gives you a chance to see some stuff that otherwise might fall away, that might disappear with the chaos that is the showroom floor. So we went there and shot a quick video for how stuff works now. So if you have not seen that, you can go check it out and see some ridiculous stuff like you can see me in a chair that's pitching around left and right um, as video is playing on a headset that I'm I'm wearing, uh, the whole idea was that you can turn your couch into an immersive experience. It's almost like pimping your couch by adding hydraulics. It's similar to that kind of idea. And it was fun. I don't know that I would ever do that for my home, uh, largely because I'm married, and I have a feeling my wife would object to getting thrown off the couch if I happen to watch you know fast and furious or something but it was a a fun experience and not only that i got to run into some of my peers that uh, i hope to grab you know a few of them and have them show up on this recording so that we can talk about ces what is interesting what's got all the buzz around it uh what was sort of a you know, what fizzled, that kind of thing. So I'm going to try and grab some of my, my peers, at least one or two at the very least, to talk about their thoughts on this year's show. Now, to be fair, uh, the unveiled thing was so, so relatively tiny, um, and we had very limited amount of time there because we actually, we got, we landed just as the event was getting started. So we got there a little late. Um, and today, uh, as I record this, it's press day. That means it's just going to be press conferences all day long. Uh, not not a lot of look at the showroom floor. That That is still being put together. In fact, if you could walk into the Las Vegas Convention Center as I record this, you would see teams of folks putting together booths. This will continue all the way up to the moment the showroom floor opens on Wednesday morning. It's the morning of the 6th, so tomorrow from when I'm recording this. And, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, you'll still see folks putting up signs and banners sometimes because, you know, stuff just falls behind as you're trying to get everything put in place before the, um, the attendees arrive. But, uh, a few press will be wandering around the show floors because they get early access. They're gonna check out some interesting stuff that, um, that the rest of us will have to wait to see a little bit later, um, and then we'll get a chance to check it out. So our plan today is to attend the Toyota press conference uh, to record a video for Forward Thinking. That's the video series I do about the optimistic view of the future, and it's sponsored by Toyota, so we're going to go check out what they have to say. I have a feeling it's going to be about artificial intelligence and the uh, massive uh, AI research centers that I'll be funding over the next several years. And then uh, that's pretty much it for today. That's the nice thing is that on press day, we don't have a whole lot that we're going to do other than research, the other announcements that have been made so that we know what kind of stuff we want to look at when the show floor opens on Wednesday and Wednesday, we'll go to the Las Vegas convention center, try and cover a lot of the stuff that's there and, um, It'll be impossible. The, the center is, it's huge and like 1.4, 1.4 1. 4 million square feet of space. That's, you know, more than half of all the space, the exhibit space at CES is at that convention center. But we're gonna try and do at least a quick run through and get a few cool things on camera, shoot a few videos. Uh, get some ideas for future episodes, that kind of stuff. Maybe even meet with some folks to possibly go into a deeper dive in the future for certain types of technology. That would be a lot of fun. And then Thursday, we will be going to the Sands Expo Center, which is Tech Center West in CES lingo. But that's generally where you see startup companies, some of the more innovative stuff, the the small scrappy groups that are trying to redefine what consumer technology is all about. That tends to be where you find stuff like weird robotics, 3D printers, a lot of Internet of Things stuff will be over there, although that's migrating more and more into the main show floor as everyone is getting into the Internet of Things. So this episode's going to sound a little choppy, and is probably going to have lots of different audio quality issues because I'll be carrying this recorder around with me to try and get more reactions uh, as I go through and and talk to some of my peers if I get a chance. Um, I I know that Shannon Morse has said that she will happily chat with me on here. So I just have to track her down and be able to, to talk to her about that sort of thing. And maybe just get some more perspective on what CES means to other members of the press. Maybe I'll even get a couple of the members of our team to talk about what it's like. Because out of everyone who's here from How Stuff Works, I'm the only one who's done it before. Everyone else is a first timer. So I hope this ends up being a great episode. It's weird because I'm recording it in chunks, so I have no clue what it's going to sound like when it's all over. But uh, this is an adventure, and I'm taking you guys with me while I go on it. Take this. It's dangerous to go alone. Okay, guys, I'm back after some CESing, which mostly involved going to the Toyota press conference. And I captured two of my technology peers and brought them back to my hotel room. (laughs) <laughs> you
2: said you had cookies.
1: Yeah, I, I said I had cookies. Uh, that was uh, true. You're going to get a little text tag that lets me track you wherever you go now.
2: That's good. Then you can find me again. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I don't have to track you down. So so with me is Ayaz Akhtar. Hello. And Shannon Morse. Hi. And uh, we have uh, spent another day kind of covering CES, although this is a press day. This is not the day when the show floor is open. Uh, but instead of talking about the stuff that's on display right now, because you know most of us have not had an opportunity to really check anything out, uh, apart from some stuff that was at CES Unveiled, there's some other events that are going on. We're going to get some early looks at some technology. I thought it might be fun to talk to you guys about past CES experiences, because it, we always get – I'm sure you guys have gotten the questions, too. Like, what is it like to actually go to CES? Oh, yeah. Because everyone thinks it's like the world's biggest toy store, <laughs> which, depending upon your thought about toys, it's possible. But I always liken it to the world's largest Radio Shack, <laughs> where where there's like ninety percent of the stuff is stuff you really. I mean, it's okay. Like it's it's cool tech, but it's not <laughs> mind blowing. And then there's maybe ten percent stuff hidden away yeah. that's really interesting. So first of all, uh, Shannon, how many CES is have you been to?
0: Um, I'm pretty sure this is my fifth year. I started going in 2010.
1: All right, fifth year for you and IAS? This is either my ninth or tenth one. Oh, yeah. wow. I can't remember. You skipped one at some no, point, didn't you? I no, I skipped one.
2: Oh, but you, you... I just worked for lots of different companies. Yeah, you...
1: <laughs> I, I thought there was one year where you hadn't planned on going and then you showed up.
2: It was... Yeah, it was a joke. I made a joke offhandedly and I was told, you should go. And I was like, okay. And that's how I wound up in California for
1: three years. <laughs> 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 It's uh, true. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong flight, and then you just go with it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we've all done CES for a while. I've done. This is my eighth year, I think, for CES. So um, my first year was when I met IAZ, because I met you when you were working uh, at Tech V, mm-hmm. and I got to, I got pulled on to be on Tech V because somehow Randall Bennett, who was running Tech V, had known of me. What's crazy is we had a booth in North
2: Hall for production. Yeah. That he somehow talked his way into getting. It didn't cost us anything, which is absurd to think about. We have yeah. this, this little podcasting section for free. I'm like, how did he do it? I don't know. He just knew everybody.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing is that here at CES, there are a few outlets that have space on the show floor or near the show floor. Uh, there are a few more that don't have space on the show floor, but they have production trucks that are parked adjacent to the convention center. And then there are schmoes like myself who have a production company back in Atlanta, Georgia, not <laughs> on site at the time. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's a very interesting mix. And I, I'm, because of that, I got to meet I.S. And Shannon, I met you for the first time at a CES a few years ago.
0: That's true, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I was I was stopping by the Revision Three area. Oh,
0: that's right.
1: And you were there, and I had never met you, and you ran up to me and gave me a hug, and then I was yeah. like, "Well, she she's on the list of favorite people now." I think I that's met how you I was at CES. and I met
0: too. It was out here at CES. It's like CES brings all the podcasters together.
1: That's true. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting because usually. Uh, we're aware of each other's work. Often, we're fans of each other's work, yep. but we haven't had the opportunity to to meet. Particularly for folks like me, where I'm I'm on a completely different coast. Uh, although I, as you're in New York now, so yeah. it's still not convenient to me. But at least you're on the same. Sorry to be
2: so geographically inconvenient. Yeah, you're <laughs> very
1: inconsiderate. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I'll work on that. So, uh, but getting back to instead of this just being a hey, aren't we awesome uh, podcast? <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys if you had any particular CES memories, things that, it doesn't have to define CES for you, but something that you associate with CES, it could be a great memory, it could be, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, it could just be, well, here's something interesting that would not have happened anywhere else. Any of those. Shannon, I'm going to go with you first.
0: Me first. Okay, so my first year was back in 2010. And it was also one of the very first years that I was going full-time with Hack 5, H-A-K-5, which is my main show. And... For me, I was still extremely nervous, very self-conscious, but I was basically being thrown into CES, like, all hands on deck. They were like, hey, guess what? You're going to be doing 47 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. You know how that is. Yes, I do. (laughs) 47 episodes within the time frame of, like, four days here at CES. So me and my co-host were pretty much dead by the end of the week. Both of us got sick for, like, a week.
1: Yeah, CES plague is a real thing. It's
0: a total real thing. Bring lots of hand sanitizer Yeah my You might want to put it
1: in, a, in an atomizer and spritz yourself yeah. with it occasionally.
0: But I, I think I'll always remember that first year because it was, it was like the year that I met Ayaz and it was the year that I met Tom Merritt and a bunch of other podcasters who I looked up for, to for a very long time. So for me, it was a great introduction to them and being able to watch them like face to face, how they interact with the camera and how they are like excellent public speakers. So... It it helped me grow my own abilities on camera, and it helped me not be so self conscious whenever I was in front of the camera. Um, so every time I come back to CES now, it's always great to see them again in person and be able to interact with them now. And now they watch my stuff too, so it feels almost like a family reunion for me. Like we're all, like you said, we're all fans of each other's work.
1: Yeah, yeah, and no, it's it's the best. Like I, I met Tom Merritt for the first time at CES. Yeah. And Molly Wood and uh, I, I met Randall in person for the first time at CES. He had contacted me uh, via the internets. The internets. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's it, really most of the, the folks in our space that I have met personally. I my first interaction was at uh, was at CES. What yeah, about I'm you, IS?
2: Oh, there's a lot of them. I'm like, which ones haven't you heard yet? Uh, well, like,
1: well, my listeners haven't heard any of them. Well, so.
2: the, the, my first year, I'll talk about that one. My first year, I was uh, coming in with a company called Gadgetel. I was their new editor. I just finished school, and they gave me a job. So I said, okay, fine, I'll run this site, which was great. Uh, and they brought us in, and I was stuck in the press room for, like, the week, and it was driving me nuts because, like, why are we even here if all we're doing is press releases? Because we're rewriting press releases. We're not even getting photos. I'm sitting in here. We're doing this all day. But they're like, don't worry. At the end, we're going to do the parties. We always go to every party. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. You know, that that's that sounds like that that'll work. I mean, we worked till like midnight certain nights, and we stayed up. But by the way, at the very end, we went to like a Lenovo party. I'm like, I'll be good. I want to be able to wake up nice and early for my flight and be all right. So I'm like, okay, I will only order this specific beer. If they have it, I will get it. And if they don't, I won't worry about it. Because everyone this like, it's like all this peer pressure. was really weird. Like I'm mean, like, we're all adults. My was like, get a drink. And I'm like, all right, cool, all right, fine. I'm going to have a Chimay Blue if they have it. Now, Chimay Blue is this Belgian beer, and it's really good, but it's kind of expensive. So I'm thinking, there's no way they're giving this out at this party, because it's kind of rare, or rare-ish. So I go to the restroom, and I come back, and everyone at my table has a little bottle of Chimay Blue. And I'm like... Oh no, they have Chimay blue, and they're like, "This is great! Have you tried this." I'm like, "Yeah, that's why I picked it." To the point where people at other tables saw that we had it, and they started bringing out cases of this stuff Whoa. that they have had, and they're all wrap, shrink wrapped. And I'm just like, "Okay, so this is happening." I was—I didn't even think of the concept of of free stuff. You know? like, I'm like, I'm just working like crazy. I'm like, "Wait, do I have to pay for any of this?" Because like that's like thirteen dollars a bottle, and I'm like you're just giving them away. I'm like. Okay, I can do this. That was a very odd one, but that I was only with that company for a year, and it got sold, and then I quit and went to TechVee, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where I met you and you. I met somewhere else, and I, I met you.
0: It was at a bar. It was at a bar. Yep. And Sam, <laughs> Eric Sandine was not, there. I don't know how I remember that because I was drunk. It was, Eric Sandine
2: was there, and we had we had quite the conversation. It was yeah. relatively fun. Yeah,
0: it was very fun.
1: Eric Sandin, uh and Iaz and I do a show called Podcast Without Pretense. So uh, I met Eric, because he was working with Tech V2. I met him at the same time I met Ayaz. And uh, uh, it's it's funny because we've, the three of us, Ayaz, Eric, and myself, have have been part of some shenanigans in Vegas. <laughs> Not, we didn't set out to break any rules. Right? <laughs> oh, no. We had the best of intentions. No, we were, we were walking outside... Um, in Vegas, which you you can only do for so long before you start to give up all hope. Uh, (laughs) Because everything in Vegas is further away from you than you expect it it to be. It looks so
2: close, but then you realize that everything is just, feels like miles away.
1: Yeah. So, we had come up with a brilliant idea of, let's cut down on some of this walking by using the monorail. And the monorail runs through several major casinos along the Strip. And, uh the only problem we had was that we were outside and the monorail stations were all connected to casinos and we were following the monorail tracks, which are elevated. You know, it's not like we were (laughs) in danger of getting run down by a monorail, which would have been tragically hilarious, but no, we were following the tracks and came up to a casino that was right up against the tracks. And then we can't remember which one it was. It was somewhere along the Southern side. It might've even been the MGM. Um, because it may, have, it may have been walking away from the, the south side where the press stuff mm-hmm. was and heading back north. But at any rate, we could see the station attached to the to the casino, but we were on a side of the casino that didn't have any entrance for the general public. And these casinos are huge, and we were already tired. And so we're thinking, well, we could walk around to the front of this building, go inside, but then we have to walk through the maze of casino games to still find the way to the monorail station, which we could see! We just couldn't get to. And as we stood there trying to figure out if we actually had the will to walk into a casino and then wander around, (laughs) uh, we noticed that there was a doorway into this casino that was for employees, and an employee was coming out. So we asked the employee... A simple, innocent question. I cannot stress innocent enough. <laughs> we just asked, how do we get to the monorail? Because we just needed to know. And she said, you have to go through the casino. Uh, you could probably go through this way, which was the employees on the entrance. And we're like, okay. <laughs> this was clearly an employee who thought, I would like to be responsible for y- Four or five young men going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) So we went in through the employees only entrance. And probably about ten steps in, we walk right in front of the security guard station. Oh, no. In the backstage area of a casino. The security guard looked at us... (laughs) with an air of resignation, and just said, gentlemen, where do you think you're going? And we're like, we're just trying to get to the monorail. He's like, okay, you just need to go that way and exit and don't come back this way. And so we were really lucky that either he was tired or this had happened so many times before that really it wasn't a big deal. But at the time, we were all convinced that, yeah, this is, we're going to be calling our respective companies for bail.
2: (laughs) I'm pretty sure I had to, like, talk you guys into it by saying, like, we're going to go in, we're going to act like we belong there. They're not going to throw us out. All we got to do is just walk straight. This won't be a problem. Yeah. And you're like, you particularly, Jonathan, were telling me, this is a bad idea. Yeah. This is not something we should do. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm not being outside anymore. Because as we know, and if you can't tell, I get cranky when I'm outside too long. <laughs> and if I'm too hungry, I get cranky. So Or don't too know.
1: tired. Or, you get hangry. Or if he's around yeah. other people. Or <laughs> or if, if it's a day that ends in day,
2: <laughs> there's a chance that I might be a little bit edgy. So, yeah, but back then I was younger and I uh, had more energy to be edgy. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> so, so I, as, as the little devil on our collective shoulder, <laughs> wrestled Jonathan the Angel on our collective shoulder to the ground and closed his mouth with duct tape, and surely <laughs> enough we went in. Luckily, nothing awful happened. We made it to the monorail, and we were safe. I mean, we... That, as shenanigans go, that's pretty tame.
2: It was pretty cool being backstage, though.
1: It was pretty cool being backstage, it's yeah. So,
2: it's so the opposite of everything you see, right? It's like oh, it's, yeah. Instead of being opulent, it looks like a prison. Yeah. It's like all beige walls and that security center. I remember that. Like, it reminded me of like now, uh, watching Orange is the New Black. Like, yeah, oh, this
1: looks like something out of prison. It, oh, okay. it didn't look like Ocean's Eleven even a little bit. Mm-hmm. No. It was not glamorous at all. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because most of the time... The closest to shenanigans we would get up to would be, let's go ride the roller coaster <laughs> at the Sahara. <laughs> After eating a burrito the size of a baby. That's true. That was a
2: baby-sized burrito. Uh, that was their marketing speak. Remember that it was on yeah. the posters. The burrito was large as a baby. Oh my gosh! It was a bizarre. And it's not- it any wonder it went out of business. Was that the NASCAR
1: NASCAR Cafe, cafe? at the Sahara? Yep. Yeah, the Sahara is no longer with a, us. a. Yeah, it's no longer with us. It was torn down. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, yeah. Yeah, so so we've had some fun times, and uh, of course, obviously, none of that has anything to do with tech. If you're wondering, why are they telling stories that have nothing to do with tech? It's <laughs> largely because year over year, like, it starts to get hard to separate when you saw stuff because...
0: Oh, yeah, it does.
1: Yeah, a lot of the tech is, is its iterations, right? It's not like here's a brand new thing that literally didn't exist last year. It's yeah. usually more like, here's a slightly evolved version of the thing you saw mm-hmm. for the last three years.
0: Well, one year, uh, and it was it was very early on, so it must have been 2011 or 2012, that was the first year that Oculus Rift came, and they came to a press event, and they were showing this very, very simple uh, uh, virtual reality version of their goggles, which was, it, it was heavy, and it was obtrusive, and... It, Kind of gave me a headache, but at the time, everybody was like, "Wow, I think you know this might work one day, but not right now because this one really kind of sucks." Yeah. But it was nice to see something different because Mm -hmm. year over year over year, we kept seeing, you know, oh, we're gonna go to the 3D TVs this year. Yeah. Which obviously failed. (laughs) 3D
1: TVs was one that was one of those technologies where companies were pushing it year Mm -hmm. over year, and Customers weren't buying it. Literally, were not buying the 3D televisions. Or if they were, they were they were slagging them, saying that, oh, yeah, I never, you know, you lose the glasses, or it's a pain to have to keep up with that kind of stuff. And uh, it was nice to see that particular technology fade away. Another thing that I liked that when a, the thing I liked when it went away. <laughs> <laughs> when it came back it was better was the internet connected TVs because when I first oh, yeah. started going to CES that's when you had widgets on everything mm-hmm. and uh, turning your television into the world's busiest desktop computer desktop is not the way to go I don't think I was no. just like it, it almost becomes one of those parodies where it's the the parody of a newscast where it's just tickers and 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 data uh caps popping up all over the screen while the news anchor continues to deliver the yeah. news it's like that except for everything on your tv so smart tvs eventually actually earned that name because mm-hmm. they were pretty dumb when they first came out yeah they were <laughs> they were
2: slow too yeah I mean, so not only did you have this extra graphical interface but it took forever to pop up or go away or have a selection or do anything and then you're like Oh, it's not connected right. Yeah. Or it just there was always something stopping it to the point where... And the
0: menus were <laughs> such a headache. Like, I remember some of the first ones I got to check out on, on the show floor here at CES. You would have to click, like, 10, 15 times to get to the subject or whatever application that you wanted to get yeah, to. Yeah, the
1: taxonomy to. of the of the commands oh, was so, so dense. That. Yeah, I, I remember them being so slow that when you pull up the weather app, you get the weather for last week. <laughs> it was pretty rough. Or having the input...
2: The zip code. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Oh my gosh. Right. I like it, it couldn't identify your lo- geographic location on its own. You had to tell it. It mm. was like it's, It was like
2: the modern version of a rotary phone. It's sort of like it's, <laughs> to have to find numbers or have to have this terrible. Because um, some of these televisions were like, oh yeah, we'll have a total virtual keyboard. So instead of being able to use the buttons like one two three four? Yeah, you actually have to go select the
1: things. Right, and anyone who's like that reminds me of the interface for the Xbox. Right, whenever you have to type something in, yeah. if you don't have one of the controllers that has the little keypad that goes with it, or you don't use Smart Glass or something along those lines, you're using the controller to highlight each individual letter, and that's not not a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I, it's not like they they were fundamentally broken, they just weren't ready yet. And we've seen that a few times at CES, where technology was displayed and you could say, there's something to that, but it wasn't quite ready. I mean, I remember several years ago seeing uh, a a tablet-PC hybrid for the first time.
0: Oh, yes!
1: And and, uh, the very first, I can't remember the name of it, was the X1, something like that? Lenovo. Lenovo. And and it was... Part Windows,
2: part Android at the time. Yes. I
1: think. Yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. no,
2: maybe it was in a splash top. It might have been Android yet, but they had something. Yeah. That you could tear apart, and it would be a tablet one way and a laptop the other. But this is before Windows, or Microsoft pushed for Windows 8.
1: Right. So this, so you had essentially uh, Windows 7 mm-hmm. for the PC mode. When you detach the screen and turn it into a tablet, it's cha- It changed operating systems. So that was kind of interesting, like a very interesting concept. And I remember really being intrigued by it when I saw it on the show floor. I thought, what a what a cool idea, especially since they were really working hard to make sure all the apps and programs that were shared across the two platforms were cross-functional. So if you were to start a document in one, you could pull up the, the software in the other and the document would still be there, You know, which was a great idea. It just was one of those that never quite... Made it out of that prototype here in the United States, at least, because they wanted to
2: redo it with Android at some point. And then there was—I <coughs> just remember all of the weird splash top interfaces. Do you remember that? For yeah. a lot, for the lightweight operating system that would load before your regular operating
1: system would yeah. load. Yeah. You yes. could do work
2: while you could instead of wait for the loading time. That's like pre-SSD days.
1: Yo, dog! <laughs> I could see that you wanted to to, to to word process. So now you get word process while waiting for your word processor. <laughs>
2: Remember that idea? I'm like, this would be so great on an air, like, an airline flight. Yeah, yeah. I could just quickly load this up, and it won't eat up a lot of battery. and It'll be great. Yeah, those, uh,
1: are the, those are the those the netbook era. Mm-hmm. You know, netbooks before we got to ultralights, which uh, I guess are still a thing, but I don't ever hear it being called that anymore. Netbooks are, I mean, the those- books
2: are like. They're the laptop now. Yeah, that
1: that's, that's just what it is. And yeah. there's like
2: there's modifiers for the other stuff. Like it's a gaming laptop, which is code for it's freaking heavy.
1: <laughs> you'll need you'll need a uh, you'll need a trolley to move this around. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think of some of the other tech that I saw that never really uh, made it out, at least not in North America. Before we started recording, I, I mentioned like, do you remember the LG smartphone watch that uh, when it debuted? That was early too. That might have been two thousand nine, two thousand ten, something like that. Uh, That was early for me uh, because I started in two thousand eight, going to these things. Um, But I remember that it was one of those where you know you couldn't get your hands on it. They had uh, representatives from the booth who were allowed to wear it on their (laughs) Mm wrists, and then you would, unless you were with someone like CNET, where you know they would want it to get in front of the cameras and stuff. You really couldn't get your hands on it. Uh, it's a little different for people who uh, are able to to work for such a well recognized outlet that that some vendors are coming to you guys, IaaS, as opposed Lucky. to not <laughs> you, IaaS, You are the one who have to go has to go out to them. For me, in this particular instance, yeah, I'm going out to
2: them. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's nice being in that kind of organization because I was like I've been part of small teams, and yeah, doing that kind of stuff, and all I r- remember doing is that tech of will the be... Went to the casino, the back of the casino. I started using the attitude for everything. <laughs> so if somebody was saying, "I can't take off the glass off of this thing," I said, "Yes, you can. We're here. We're going to do this," and they would do it. And I'm like, "Oh my god, this is working! I can't believe they're buying this. It's totally working." <laughs> so we're getting all this footage of all this stuff that we weren't supposed to be touching, and
0: that
2: <laughs> nobody seemed to care about. By Thursday, and they're like, "Okay, that's true. We're exhausted. We don't want to be here. We want to tear it down. You want you want us to take the glass off? Yeah.
1: Okay. That's true. It really is true. If you most of the action happens." The first two days, the show floor is open. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to the end of the show floor show uh, floor uh, hours, like on the last day, people are really kind of lackadaisical when it comes to the policies they've been following up to that point. Because they've been worn down over time. Except Razor.
2: They are really tenacious. Really? They don't like people mess with anything.
1: Odd, because they gave me hands-on demo uh-huh. a couple years ago. On they're have like, to "Yeah, go ahead." With
2: somebody. I should—I'll change my attitude to Jonathan's attitude, which
1: is pleasant and southern. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, shucks, I just brought y'all some biscuits and gravy. If you let me get <laughs> my hands I mean, on that, tip.
0: It's always very useful to make friends with PR people who also have like the same pets as you, or yeah. like they get their nails done. And I'm like, I love your nails. Where did you get your your nails done? Right. Right. I'll show them pictures of my cats. They'll be like, "Oh, I have cats too! Oh my gosh,
1: what are you <laughs> So it's
0: great. You just make a connection, like talk to him about some kind of similarity that you
2: guys have.
1: So yeah, take it from Shannon. Find some superficial <laughs> connected <laughs> tissue, so you, and then you, leverage it. You seem to
2: like technology. I like technology too. <laughs> hey, what a crazy world I guess we're this in. Is a
0: little easier for girls breathing.
2: It's awesome, right? It, uh, it really does. It's a real problem when you don't. Can't do that, you know. Yeah,
1: it's, a, it's you know, as Darth Vader.
2: Well, you can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A long time. spoiler alert, he's
1: dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's great that I get a chance to catch up with you guys. It's fantastic. We're we're tomorrow is the day, the first day where the show floor is open on, for 2016. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to, or anything you are trying to seek out this year? Uh, do you have a game plan, Shannon? Are you just gonna go in and just Absorb or is there <laughs> all something? Guns blazing. Yeah, just, just like, I'm looking at everything.
0: <laughs> well, this year is nice because I don't have to record 47 episodes of, about all these weird things that I find. I'm just doing one episode for Tech Thing and then that's it. Uh-huh. So I just get to talk about my favorite things. So this year I'm just planning to hit the Central and South Hall and hopefully North as well while my co host hits up the sands and we're going to find our favorite items. I'm mostly interested in. Uh, the 4K streaming, which a lot of people have been saying is a thing this year, mm. which I'm, I'm a little quizzical about. I want to see how it works. Yeah, now, what's the encoding? And... Co- yeah, 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 exactly. Now that I'm editing, I want to understand the back end of it. I want to get geeky. And I'm also really interested in more uh, VR virtual reality augmented reality and things like that nature because it's gotten so much better and it doesn't make you sick now right my coworker has a Samsung gear i think it's called the gear vr mm-hmm. it works flawlessly the thing is so smooth and i would love to see some more companies working with that um, non-proprietary Internet of Things would be nice.
1: Yeah, where you can actually have Internet of Things talking to other Internet of Things that exactly. were made by somebody else.
0: Exactly. Like, I, I believe something is happening along that line over in one of the car uh, sections. Mm-hmm. I believe one of the car manufacturers is going to be working with a online <laughs> online store who sells, I don't know, this thing called the
2: Amazon Echo.
1: Oh, so you're talking about I Ford and Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, Ford and Amazon. We all thought it was going to be Ford and Google, and it turned out to be Ford and Amazon, and they're going to actually license that technology to other car companies because they're licensing it to Toyota as well. That's cool. Yeah. So you'll be able to uh, to talk to your Echo in your car.
0: Which is a great idea. I mean, Internet of Things, non-proprietary, make all your things work together so you can still buy the best product and yeah. not be summoned into this one brand.
1: There's so many times where I've been stuck in traffic and thought, I wish I could buy paper towels right now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that. I remember seeing one thing before coming out to CES, and I'd have to do research to actually look up the name of the deal. But I, I remember seeing it was an app, and the app is designed to talk to different internet-connected products in your home, so it becomes kind of a central hub, which is an inelegant solution, right? We would all love to see a standardized protocol that all of these things worked across so that we didn't have to either all buy into one ecosystem or have eight different systems to manage to deal with all the stuff in our house. The, The Internet of Things is this amazing view of the future, but only if everything works without it getting in your way. Exactly. And so the app I saw was one where you could do things like control your Nest thermostat and your Hue light bulbs and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, although I don't know if specifically those brands were represented, but <laughs> yeah, that was because... the idea. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, well, you, that's that's a, a good temporary solution, but I don't want to see that trend continue where you get this, this you know, splintered... Uh, Marketplace, and then you have to find a solution like that in order to make everything work together. Yeah. Because um, I, I can't... Im- can you imagine living in a house where you're like, Honey, can you turn on the lights? I'm, I'm looking for the app. Yeah. It's said, one of he, these. It's that's, in this that's folder that says Smart it. Tech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, as you, do you have anything that you're specifically looking forward to? No, I was thinking about all this, the smart home stuff. You guys, are, that stuff you're talking about, the Internet
2: things, stuff actually talking to each other, and how hubs were supposed to be some kind of middle ground solution And then Samsung goes out and buys one of the hub makers, which made it even more weird. Right. And Samsung's got like a mini feud with Google, so those things don't necessarily work together. Right. And then Apple's got HomeKit. So, I mean, I have a house that's got a bunch of different little things, and I do have to find apps. Yeah. What's weird is the real solution is something like like Echo or Alexa, these kinds of assistants. Let it figure out which app it's supposed to work with. That, to me, is way more interesting than a lot of the stuff I've been uh, originally looking at. The fact that Amazon is working with Samsung with their fridge, because you can have Alexa in the fridge. You've heard about their fridge? Does she beg to get out? (laughs) (laughs) This fridge is a 5,000... It's cold in here. It's it's called the Family Hub. It's $5,000. It's got a 21-inch Android touchscreen on it. Whoa. Uh, And it also has Amazon Alexa integration, so you can ask it things, like play music or whatever you want, right? So it's kind of a weird concept. So Samsung's working with them instead of going, like, use our S-voice thing, which is... Kind of interesting. The fact that if you had your Ford, you drive in, you can have it talk to your fridge. I'd imagine somehow the (laughs) Alexa stuff can talk to each other.
1: The Ford could be like, dude, get ready. This guy bought a lot of groceries. (laughs) (laughs) The fridge
2: just swings open.
1: I'm ready. (laughs) Welcome home, boys.
2: The Ford-Amazon connection to me is also fascinating because between the car and the smart home, there wasn't really a good connection. It was almost like this. It's its own island. It was its own thing. Sure. It's almost like you dock it in and you're like, hopefully, stuff would sync up and maybe be all right. But no, this actual connection between the devices, where you're like, Alexa, open the garage. Like, that's cool. Or like, turn on the lights. Or start the car when you're inside when it's you know, cold out. Like, that's all awesome. this stuff is like, that would be great. Will it work? Most of the time. Well, is well, he secure? Hopefully. Yeah, oh, that's a big question right there. that's yeah. an excellent Everything. question.
1: But yeah, uh, it's one of those that we uh, that we are becoming increasingly aware of, especially in the wake of demonstrations such as the uh, the terrible demonstrations that befell Jeep. Oh yeah, <laughs> that
0: was funny.
1: Yeah, that, it's funny if you don't own a Jeep. Yeah, <laughs> I know? thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a different. It's a different approach to technology. It's a different world, uh, one that has new concerns that come up. But the potential is really cool. To, to in the case of refrigerator, literally so, to allow uh, you to have this kind of interactivity and, and uh, added functionality that you know normally would just be a simple appliance and like even even stuff that is now telling you how much energy it uses. Uh, giving you that feedback immediately so that you can adjust your lifestyle if possible. I mean, sometimes you don't have that flexibility, but if you can, then you can end up conserving energy and thus saving money. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in markets like California and Hawaii, that's a big deal. I yeah. mean, you, your, your surge pricing can be pretty expensive at peak times. So, that's, you know, we're seeing more of that. We're, it, it's really a lot of. It's all about data still. It's all about either giving data back to the user so that you're getting a, an ability to quantify stuff that you couldn't before, or it's about data interacting between devices so that you have this kind of seamless, magical experience as you go through your, your home, You know, whether it's music following you around through the house or your lights turning off when you leave the room, whatever it may be. And uh, I love the direction it's going in, it's still very splintered, mm-hmm. and uh, it may turn out that the way we get a standard is just that someone makes a system that works so much better than everyone else's that it becomes the de facto standard. That's a possibility. It's not something that people willingly enter into. It just happens yeah. by by competition.
2: Uh, I. There's, sorry, there's also lots of issues when it comes to education. Because sure. Remember, there's, there are a lot of standards to get audio and video to different components in the house. And it's open, DLNA, you can have DLNA. And nobody really educated anybody about that. Right. Apple has AirPlay. People are like, oh, I get this. It totally works. It just works. It's like a variant of the same technology. So the fact when smart devices started coming out, or Internet of Things devices, and there was these giant consortiums, and you'd see all of these names, and you'd see, and you're like, great, but they're missing... The Google one and the Apple one. As long as that keeps going on, we're yeah. almost going to have three apps. Yeah. Which is, I think, at a minimum right now.
1: That's that's a fair point. I, I tell you, the one thing that uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, because I still don't know if it's really real or not, is the the Faraday electric car. Because <laughs> it, it seems like people are still kind of referring to it as vaporware because the, the concept that's out there is purely, like, this is like a prototype concept type vehicle. The company appears to have emerged from nowhere, <laughs> so it's one of those things like a company forms and makes a car like that's. I wasn't believing
2: the guy who was showing me a nice remote control. Like yeah, that's exactly. snazzy. That, that'll come out sure to be two hundred dollars.
1: You have a car. Yeah. How did
2: you have time to build a car?
1: Yeah. Where did you get the manufacturing facilities for <laughs> this thing? You
2: realize that that giant competition thing is there, and they might crush you over time, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. There's also supposed to be a car. Uh, I can't remember who makes it, uh, but there's also a car that has a drone landing pad on it. Awesome. That's going to be so. That's why I want to hit the North Hall because there's going to be a car with a drone landing pad, and I need to see this thing. What is it for? For drones to land on, I ask, what do you think it's for? So, so it's you, in the name. So as you're going... And Am- by
0: drone, you mean quadcopter. You're saying, <laughs> That's you're,
2: true. you're saying Alexa. It's not a predator. I need <laughs> I need those paper towels. Amazon is dropping it off on your car that has the landing pad. Look, all Clearly. I can
1: tell you is that in the future, mm-hmm. this will become a pivotal plot point in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: if there are yachts that have heliports, why not?
1: Why not a car, car that has car? a drone port? Yeah.
2: Sounds awesome. Can I make it work with my
0: moonroof, so it just like opens up and it just drops off the stuff in my passenger seat? I have seat. a
1: feeling that's gonna mess up your hair, do you, Shannon. So it's kind of like a car hop.
2: <laughs> the modern car car hop is a dr- is a drone coming by. Yeah,
1: that sounds great. Well, it's just a, knowing that there is a car with a drone landing pad on it that CES tells me I need to see it. If for no reason than just to v- witness it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's there's always stuff that will surprise you at CES as well. Like uh, Often it, it'll be things that I find out about after I return home. Oh, and, yeah. And someone else with a lot more manpower. they <laughs> don't have enough time to see everything. Yeah, not at all. Just I mean, two feet. Yeah, you've got 2.2 million square feet of exhi- ex- exhibit space. Even if you are Diligently walking through all the halls you're not going to see everything just because eventually you're going to get that thousand yard stare where you're not really like your eyes are looking at things but you're not taking in any information Mm -hmm. that does happen so um, yeah I'm sure there will be things that we miss like uh, I love the quirky stuff that you occasionally come across like I'll I'll always remember the haptic fork
2: oh yes (laughs) it would vibrate
1: if you ate too quickly so that the food would fall off your fork
2: I remember the intel charge bowl this wireless charging bowl. It was a couple years ago. And you would just dump your you phone in there? Dump your stuff in there. And it did.
0: Along with your milk and your cereal. <laughs>
2: yeah. It charged your. Kept, it kept a crunch. <laughs> it did gonzo traffic. It was insane. Everyone was fascinated with the wireless charging bowl. I was like. <laughs> I even asked Intel about them. I'm like, is it coming back? They're like, we don't know if we can tell you anything. So
1: There was even a tag. Uh, for your luggage, that got, it wasn't even, like, not a tag tag, it was an electronic tag mm-hmm. that you would put inside your luggage that would allow you to keep track of where your luggage was in case you, you know, traveled and it didn't arrive in the airport that you went to, and I remember people were getting really excited by that, and I'm thinking, this is possibly one of the simplest implementations of technology I've seen in a really long time. I was but like, this GPS in there. there. That yeah. That thing is, yeah. Yeah.
0: They ended up selling that on Amazon. I think my, I just sent my friend that link oh, yeah? to buy that thing. Yeah, Man, I forget that, the name of it. Wayne I remember Porch.
1: seeing that a couple no. years ago. <laughs> I think I ran into Molly Wood while I was looking at it, and we were both kind of surprised at how much attention I was getting. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, is you can never predict which odd thing is just going to get people's attention. If you've ever wondered why the press gravitates toward these weird, quirky things, it's because we've seen countless televisions. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it can only
2: get so thin. Yeah. And it's also hard to convey that information You're like 2.7 yeah. millimeters.
0: So unless unless your focus is home theater or your focus is headphones or right. cell phones or whatever. So like Android Central, they'll probably have a focus. So that's what they're going to talk about. But for us, we we talk about everything. Yeah. So it's very hard to look at those things over and over again and think, okay, well, What's exciting about this? Yeah, Yay. yeah. So oh, you increase the RAM. Congratulations! Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> it does the things it did before more better now. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's
2: essentially the gist of many <laughs> many people saying. Sometimes. Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. So at any rate, I, as Shannon, uh, thank you very much. I'm gonna loosen your bonds so that way you'll be free to go after I've kidnapped <laughs> you to force you into this episode of tech stuff.
0: As
1: long as we still have cookies. We the cookies. <laughs> You're going to get that text tag before you leave, trust me. (laughs) It's going to hurt a little bit because I actually physically attach it to the top of your ear. All right, kind of like, you know, catch and release. Um, Thanks so much, and I'll probably continue this podcast after I get a chance to actually see the show floors. So, more to follow. Okay, I'm recording this last section back at the Atlanta office, so that would explain why it sounds like this as opposed to the previous recordings. Uh, I have already returned from CES 2016, clearly. I wanted to record more in my hotel room while I was there, but honestly, I was just so tired at the end of the show days, and my voice was so fried that I wasn't really able to record anything useful while I was still out in Vegas. But I thought I'd talk about some of the things we looked at on the show floor before signing off. So first, uh the show is just too large to see everything. It's impossible. Even if you just glanced at each booth and never stopped, you'd still miss some stuff. Because there are just too many exhibit areas. I mean, there's three days of show days, like when the show floor is open. But the show floor is, you know... million square feet, and that also includes off-site hotels that are not part of the Sands or the Las Vegas Convention Center, and just getting from place to place, even without maneuvering your way through, takes up a lot of time, and there are just too many booths. So we went into CES with kind of a general game plan, and we stuck to it about as closely as we could, with a couple of exceptions, we weren't able to see any uh, VR, AR stuff, and we weren't really able to explore the drones stuff because we ran out of time while we were exploring. But on Wednesday, January 6th, 2016, we focused on the Las Vegas Convention Center. Um, so the LVCC has three main halls. There's a North Hall, a Central Hall, and a South Hall. And The South Hall actually has two floors, which makes it particularly huge. We started in the North Hall. That's generally filled with auto technology uh, and car sound systems, that kind of stuff. Some other things are there too, but it's mostly car tech. So we concentrated on four booths while we were there. Toyota, Ford, Volkswagen, and Faraday Future. There were others as well, but we had to be really careful with our time. So first we started with Toyota, and uh, their big focus was on artificial intelligence and the connected car concept. The company's really stressing that their research is all about making the experience of driving a car safer, with systems in place that can take over should a driver be put in danger. So even an excellent driver may encounter dangerous situations that he or she can't react to in time, and that's where these driver-assist systems can kick in, potentially saving a life. These same technologies may one day lead to fully autonomous vehicles, but Toyota experts stress that current autonomous car technology is pretty limited. It's, it's great for mundane driving situations, like moving through a regular city grid. It's great for that, but they don't deal with the unexpected very well. So Toyota is spending a billion dollars in research money over the next five years to help push the development of AI with the goal of finding ways to make AI better at reacting to new, unprecedented situations. Or to put it another way, computers are really good at following instructions. So if you think of a scenario, you can program that scenario into an autonomous car's logic system, saying, when X happens, then do Y. And the car will most likely react the way you want it to in those situations. But it's impossible to anticipate everything and program everything into your car's logic system. And if you have enough cars on the road for a long enough amount of time, Something that you did not anticipate will happen at some point. That's when AI needs to react more like a person would, where you would think back on past experience and extrapolate what you should do based upon the particular parameters of that moment. Uh, and also to do it while minimizing risk to yourself and to others. And that's, that's a very difficult AI problem. And that's what a lot of that research money is going toward to try and solve. How do you make AI able to not just anticipate, but react to dynamic situations that it had not been specifically programmed to handle? And we don't have an answer for that yet. That's exactly what the the AI research centers that Toyota is backing is going to, that's what they're going to look into. Meanwhile, over at Ford, we learned about Ford's partnership with Amazon. Now originally the rumor was that Ford was going to announce a partnership with Google, but Amazon's voice concierge system, Alexa, is actually the big news. It's going to be part of Ford's in-car systems. And it will actually allow you to synchronize your car with your smart home, allowing the car and home to kind of work together. So imagine your garage door is communicating with your car, or you could just tell your garage door to go up while you're driving your car, and it goes up, that kind of stuff. Or even being able to have your car alert your home when you're coming into the uh, driveway so that the thermostat adjusts so that, you know, the house is going to be comfortable shortly after you get inside. That kind of stuff, you know, sort of this concept of the connected future where everything is more convenient, but it could go even further than that. You could also, while you're in your home, tell Alexa, start the car and in your garage or in your driveway, your car starts up. And the climate system kicks in so that the car is nice and comfy by the time you get out there. That could be really useful on a very hot summer day or a very cold winter day. You could get your uh, car started without having to pop outside the house. That's kind of neat. Also, you would even be able to use Alexa to maybe get updates about your car's status. So if that check engine light comes on, you might even be able to ask Alexa, Hey, what's wrong with the car and get an answer, which would be nice before you take it into a mechanic, right? Uh, meanwhile, Volkswagen was showing off its electric concept van called Buddy, B-U-D-D-E. Uh, or as Polly Shore would say, buddy. And I probably lost everybody. If you know who Polly Shore is, give me a shout out on Twitter. Tech stuff, HSW, or at John Strickland. I once saw him on a beach in Maui. Anyway, back to Volkswagen. This concept vehicle design was pretty cool, little, little funky looking, a lot of interesting lighting and all this kind of stuff. But there's no guarantee we'll ever see anything like it actually hit the road. It is, after all, just a concept. Uh, It's also no surprise that Volkswagen showed off electric vehicle technology in the wake of that clean diesel scandal that broke in late 2015. Now, the question is, will electric cars help repair the damage done to Volkswagen's public image? Personally, I'm not sure. It was a lot of damage done, but at least the company is trying to do something. Now, I will say that I thought this particular car design and the features that it had were really cool. Had some interesting stuff, like you could have a, you had a platform where you could do wireless inductive charging for your electronics, so if your phone can accept wireless inductive charging, you could just lay it down on this platform and it would charge through the car. It's not exactly brand new. Other vehicles have had this, but it was cool to see. It also uh, included a connected car concept, so similar to Toyota's strategy where you want to have your car communicate, and, and Ford's strategy too where you have your car communicate with the smart home and with other vehicles. It's, you know, kind of the way the future is going. And speaking of the future, there was Faraday Future. That was one of my favorite booths to stop at on our trip. We went to a lot of different booths at CES. But this one in particular was interesting, mainly because it was so mysterious leading up to the show. Faraday Future is the company that's kind of like what would happen if you smashed up an internet startup with an automotive industry company. That's what you get with Faraday Future. And no one really knew a whole lot of details about the company leading up to CES. It was just kind of, you know, this this mysterious entity that was supposedly going to show off a car. And that car ended up being the FF01 concept race car. And that looks like Something that came out of Tron or Minority Report, uh, or even Batman. It's a really weird looking race car. But really, that was just a design to grab attention. It wasn't that Faraday Future is all about producing race cars. They just, they used that as a way of pulling people into the booth to explain what their philosophy was. And that philosophy is that Faraday has created a modular design approach to building vehicles. They actually have um, a modular means of putting batteries together. So instead of like a a giant battery, think of like a series of batteries. And depending upon what your car needs to do, uh, they can modify the foundation to have the amount of batteries appropriate for your car. So for example, an SUV that's going to do a lot of off-roading is going to need more battery power to generate the power needed to actually do those kind of things, whereas a subcompact car wouldn't need that much battery power. So from the design phase, they could say, well, this this is how many of our uh, battery units we're going to include. They also had a modular uh, drivetrain approach, so they could have different style drivetrains on vehicles. And uh, they could also create autonomous vehicles. They could include autonomous Uh, technology, sensors and, and drive systems in any of their models. So in other words, they've created kind of a base and that base can serve as the foundation for any type of vehicle, whether it's, you know, an SUV or a van or a compact car or a race car, whatever it might be. So. Uh, it also gives them a lot of speed when they want to speed in development, not not vehicle speed, but the speed to actually go from design to building a vehicle. In fact, the FF01 went from sketch to built-out car in 18 months, which is incredibly fast in the automotive industry. So that was really exciting to actually see this kind of disruptive technological approach to the auto industry. I'm hopeful that... Uh, that this will have a big impact. We'll see if Faraday Future actually becomes a player in the space, uh or it may just be that Faraday Future is going to end up influencing other companies. Either way would be interesting. Of course, I would rather see them be a real player, just to kind of add another layer of competition in and, uh, and innovation. It'd be really exciting. At that point, we then moved over to the central hall of the convention center, still on Wednesday, January 6th right now. Uh, when we went to the central hall, that's where a lot of your big electronics companies happen to be. uh Things like Sony, Panasonic, Intel, and a lot of other big companies are there too. So first we went to Sony and looked at their high dynamic range televisions, HDR TVs, I actually do a video where I explain what HDR is and why it's important and why, even if you have an HDR TV right now, you may not have a whole lot to watch on it. So keep an eye out for that video. That's going to come out on now.howstuffworks.com in the near future. We also looked at a fridge from Samsung that has a uh, manufactured suggested retail price of around $5,000. It's a smart fridge uh, in the sense that it's connected, it's got... Lots of different interesting features. It has cameras on the inside, so you can get a quick look at the inside of your fridge, even if you're not home, which could come in handy if you're at the grocery store and you're thinking, gosh, do we have any milk left? You could actually look inside your fridge and find out. Uh, It also had a 21 and a half inch screen embedded in the door. Uh, It was really an impressive piece of technology. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to to spend about $5,000 on a fridge, but uh it was it was interesting to see those kind of features worked in it also was a very different philosophy from another company we would see the next day which was whirlpool uh but we are, we've got a whole video coming out about the connected kitchen so keep an eye out on now.howstuffworks.com for that that'll be coming up soon as well uh then we went over to intel looked at some of the technology there intel of course is mostly known as the company that makes the stuff that makes other stuff work. So when we go to Intel, you see a lot of cool stuff on display, but these are all products that are the result of partnerships with other companies. Intel provides the microprocessors or the other technology that allows it to work. So we got to see things like a robo-butler that's a personal uh, transportation device, essentially one of those wheeled skateboards that are often called hoverboards, but it could be converted into a robot butler which is kind of cool and very cute. It was a very cute robot. And we also saw um, connected bicycles. We saw a dress that reacts to a person's adrenaline levels. So the dress would expand when adrenaline levels would increase and it contracted when it decreased. And uh kind of similar to the spider dress that we saw last year, uh, which was fun. So we took some footage of that. It was It was good to see. After all that, we moved over to the South Hall. Keep in mind... We probably saw maybe 15% of the central hall. Uh, it's just, that's how it goes, cause you're running from, from place to place to get your videos in. Uh, you're gonna miss out on a ton of stuff. So there was a lot of stuff on display in the central hall that we just didn't see. But we made it to the south hall, which pretty much hosts a, a big collection of different stuff, including things like VR, AR, drones, all the stuff that we weren't able to see. But we did get to see some really cool things. We got to go to Kodak's booth and check out their brand new Super 8 film cameras, which is great. Kodak is bringing film back. So the Super 8 millimeter camera is a classic. That's something a lot of filmmakers worked with with back when they were kids. Um I used to play with a Super 8 camera back when I was a kid. Uh, my dad owned one and I got to play with it. Well, Kodak's bringing it back and pairing it with modern technology. So When you buy one of these, uh, when you buy a cartridge of film, the uh, cost of that cartridge isn't just for the film, it's also for the processing fee. So in other words, when you buy the film and then you put it in your camera and you shoot it, you have already paid for the processing. So then you would mail the film off to Kodak, Kodak processes the film and returns the print to you. But you also get a digital print, so you don't just get the film print, you get a digital print as well, and there's an onboard microphone with this Super 8, which is not the way the old Super 8 cameras worked, and you get a digital audio track as well, so you can sync up the audio track with your film, plus you have the digital print where it's already synced. Uh, my video crew got really excited about this technology, and we'll have a video about this as well, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we also went to Genworth Financial's booth. Now, Genworth Financial is an insurance company. Specifically, they provide insurance for long-term care for, uh, the elderly. And at their booth, they had a really amazing exoskeleton that I actually got to put on. Yeah, if you follow, uh, tech stuff on Facebook, you probably saw a picture of me wearing this thing. So the whole purpose of the exoskeleton was to create a way to start a conversation between young people and the elderly to demonstrate the importance of long-term care. So it made sense. Like they wanted a way for young people to understand what the elderly go through to say, look, the service we provide is a valuable one. But I think the actual application of the technology goes well beyond that. Uh, they turned to a company called Applied Minds, which was originally co-founded by a couple of former Disney Imagineers. And that company ended up making the Aging Experience Exoskeleton, which mimics various disabilities, conditions, and illnesses that the elderly often experience. So when I put this thing on, they were able to simulate these various conditions with me, and it was really an interesting experience to, to go through. So the suit included a headset, and that headset has two video cameras that are mounted about where your eyes are. And they, that fed a live video signal to monitors that were in front of my eyes. And it did it really well. There was no noticeable lag, which is very important because otherwise you would get that kind of swimmy effect. You turn your head and then a moment later it's reflected. That's going to make you seasick, but I didn't, I didn't experience that. It seemed like the lag was manageable. So they use software which allows handlers to manipulate that video feed. So while you've got video in front of your eyes, they can change that video around a little bit and simulate conditions like glaucoma or tunnel vision. Uh, the headset also included headphones, and they could manipulate that as well. So they could, you know, simulate hearing loss or even tinnitus, which, by the way, incredibly irritating to have that high pitch tone in one ear. That's what tinnitus is, that ears are ringing if you've ever been to a loud concert and your ears were ringing afterward that's tinnitus sometimes you develop it and it doesn't go away so the suit was able to simulate that and also could add torque to all of your major joints like your shoulders your elbows your hips and your knees and by adding torque it creates resistance so it makes it harder for you to move so it's more like if you had a hip replacement or, if your knees were no longer uh as as uh, flexible if you suffered from something like arthritis, and the whole suit weighed about forty pounds, so that helped simulate the weakness you would have as a result of muscle loss and weight gain and the whole experience was really enlightening, very interesting stuff uh, I was very pleased that I got a chance to do it, even though it meant that I was in that weird get up with a lot of people watching me. <laughs> It was a little, um you know, thank- thankfully, I've never been one to shy away from the spotlight. Uh, so it sounds like we did a lot, but my team only saw a very tiny percentage of what was at the Las Vegas Convention Center. The next day, we hit the Sands Convention Center, and that hosted stuff like fitness tech, wearables, 3D printers, connected home technology. Tons of small startups were in the Eureka Park area, so we shot several videos there about the technology that was on display, but I'm not going to go into detail just because it was a lot of stopping and starting. And this episode's already running pretty long. So at any rate, uh, keep, keep on touch. You know, go look at now.housestuffworks.com. We're going to continue to upload videos from our experience at CES. You'll be able to see them there. Also forward thinking. Uh, the other show I do, there are a couple of videos that we did, including one of me and the exoskeleton. That will go up there. So, after an exhausting whirlwind of shooting videos, we wrapped our production and we rested. We left the following day, which was Friday the 8th. And the show continued throughout that day. So, we left, but the show was going on. And a few events even went into the weekend, but by then we were back in Atlanta, which pretty much gets us up to speed. Uh, And I'm going to do some shows where I talk about some of this technology in greater detail particularly the auto technology. I'm going to try and get Scott and Ben on this show in the near future to talk about some of the high-tech stuff that's coming to cars in the near future. I kind of get their take on it. Uh, also just discuss some stuff that they might be aware of that I didn't get a chance to see. So that episode will be coming up probably in the near future. I'm hoping to record it next week, but it might be a few more weeks before it airs just because I've got some other shows in the vault between now and then. Uh, but if you have a suggestion for a Tech Stuff topic or a guest I should have on the show, you should get in touch with me and let me know. My email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or just drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook. The handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon.